G'day, welcome to Radio Notes. Today, a fly on the wall, chance for you to hear a conversation had in a Melbourne cafe, a very loud one at that, with an outstanding artist. With no further ado, let's dive straight in. Heard the tune This Girl by Kungs versus Cooking on Three Burners? It's had over 340 million views on YouTube and over 603 million plays on Spotify. But who is that woman with the distinctive vocals over the super catchy summer vibe beats? Answer? Kylie Aldist. From the Cooking on Three Burners part of the tune, which they're a member of, who also features in the Bamboos and has numerous solo albums under their name, including Just Say, Made of Stone, Still Life and Family Tree. Originally from Broken Hill, they moved to Melbourne for their music, and that's where Radio Notes caught up with them at a cafe local to them for this chat. Kylie, welcome to Radio Notes. Thank you, John. Hello. This is a, a podcast. This is a chat. This isn't radio. This is laid back. This is very modern. Chance to ask musicians about life and people in life about music. You would be a musician, so we'll have a chat about life. That's what I... Oh, well, that's a great idea. Well, I'm actually, I'm a singer. I guess that I um, music is within me, but I, I cannot read music <laughs> and I cannot write music and I, so, and I can't play an instrument except for my voice. So. I was about to say, I'll contradict you by saying your voice is a gorgeous instrument Thank which you. you use oh so well people may know you from various incarnations family tree was your solo album done a lot of collaborations over the years as well let's start though we're in your your neighborhood across the road from West Breen primary where none of my children went to school but I do walk around this here this here is part of a, um, a circuit called walking the golf course and it's a four kilometer path that everyone in Glenroy runs around walks around and all of a sudden there's become this trendy restaurant here. One day I came here for lunch with my husband and the, the guy behind the bar was like, are you that girl from the bamboos? And he got really nervous and he got the bill wrong. <laughs> well, let's talk about the bamboos. You've mentioned them and yes. that's a good chance to do. So Lance Ferguson, the new record, where are we at with that? Like? Every day um, I look on, on the internet and I find something new has happened because I love the bamboos because it's like a day job of music so I don't run the bamboos the bamboos is very very well oiled machine that's run by Lance Ferguson and his management so I get to be a an employee as such well I'm part of the band because obviously Lance has very kindly asked me to um, help to write and collaborate on tracks and all this stuff so the new album that's coming out I've collaborated on which I'm excited about the single uh, Lit Up is already out and there's a video for that what is the, the Kylie and Lance connection? When did that happen? Okay, that happened a long time ago. I've got a t-shirt still from a band called Polyester. And we used to be, uh, it was a 10-piece band formed by Simon Gray, who is uh, Lance's wife's cousin. And we played together at the Evelyn every Monday night for two years, about 10, 15 years ago. And we basically, I missed out on watching all of the, the Monday night TV shows, which was, you know, which was kind of important. It's, it's a thing, isn't it? Yeah. When you go to play uh, Trivial Pursuit and you don't know any of the answers to questions about Northern Exposure, you know. <laughs> so we played every night there and we sort of cut our teeth on the on the Fitzroy scene. Before that, Lance had seen me playing in bands at the, at the Rochester Castle, Curtis Late, and, um, and we'd sort of met. So when we got to be in a band together, it started there and moved forward years and years to 2016, I sang at Meredith with the Bamboos. And they asked me to come and sing three songs. And I got there at one in the morning, having just done a gig in Melbourne. 
and I couldn't believe it. It was like, oh, an instrumental band playing in the middle of the night. Okay, this is interesting. And people were actually getting out of their tents to come and watch them because they were so fun and they were so funky. And then I sang three songs and they said, would you like to come on tour with us? And so I did. What is the professional chemistry between yourself and the bamboo? Well, we were talking about that the other day. We were lucky enough to support Robbie Williams all around Australia. We were just sitting around and we were having beers at the end of the tour and just going, we were looking around the table and we were saying like John Castle, Yuri, myself, Ross, Erwin, like Lance, we've been together for over 10 years. Those boys have been playing for 15 years. I've been in the band for 10 years, but we've all been in bands and in, and in the same sphere for this long time. And we we're going, that's amazing because the music industry is very, you know, fickle and it goes around and smashes people in and out and off and around. And we just sort of realised that we all have the same sort of work ethic, I guess, and the same sort of... I don't know. Yeah, it's it's got it's got to be that. It's got to be like understanding or also you know personal values in a lot of way. But we like each other. Um, but we all work very hard. Lance, I know. Oh, quite he's well. amazing. Yeah. John Castle is. John is one of there. the most talented people I've ever met. He's produced an entire album. He can of do Washington. anything. He's so clever and he's so unassuming. And you know, he's just he can play any instrument. He can, he's got magic ears. What inspired you to take up the voice? We're going to call the voice an instrument. Well, it was not my choice. It was a gift given to me, as my grandmother said, and I should share it. And some people have laughed at me and said, you did nothing to get this gift. You just were given it, and then you just treat it like rubbish. <laughs> and so, Which is quite true, because I, I go out and drink beer, and I talk too much, and I stay up late, and, you know, it's not really how you're supposed to act as a singer. But I have seen lots of... Um, Opera singers smoking, so there, I don't smoke. <laughs> what do you do to keep the voice in the shape that it is? Well, I sleep. I'm a very, very good sleeper. <laughs> Sleeping, I could do for Australia. Lots of water, obviously, you must have it hydrated. And I guess I just, you know, it's all about listening. You listen to yourself and, you know, I've just, I, I enjoy listening to singers. I enjoy listening. I don't so much enjoy listening back to myself, but when I do, sometimes I'm surprised that, it, that it's quite good. I'm, yeah. How do you approach the live performance, the stage, that presence? Is there an element of nerves? Oh, or so nerve-wracking really? for me, John. So nerve-wracking. I'm naturally a shy person. I guess I have sort of... I, I went out with my husband last night to see a band, but I struggled because I'm like, I hate going out, really. I, it's weird, but everyone goes, oh, you're so good at it. But I just put on a front and I just go for it. So on stage, what I love is I'm in this amazing band, or in two bands, my own band and the Bamboos, where the music just envelops me, you know, like, so I used to wish that I could stand behind a shower curtain. Like, I get, I get it with Sia. I totally understand how she feels because everybody starts going, oh, look at your dress. Oh, look at your face. Oh, look at this. Oh, look at that. It's like, I'm trying to give you a gift of music. Why are you being rude? You know, please don't think about those other things or look at those. It's not about those other things. It's about me transferring music to you and me enjoying the music and you and so when I enjoy myself other people can enjoy themselves I think I think it's kind of a catching thing it's kind of like as, as Ben Lee said it's, it's a disease you know it really is and I think yeah it's a gift and, and I, I do try to share it so I try to get over my nerves and just enjoy the music and be in it I want to talk about these overseas experiences that you've had from your own band through to the band Booze. What's been a rewarding experience that you've had overseas? Because travel does broaden the mind. The fact that I've had amazing conversations with people that I don't even speak their language and they don't speak mine, but we get each other. And as my brother said, at the end of the night, it doesn't matter where you are, you want to be in the band. At the end of the night, everybody wants to hang with you because they've seen the music. They're like, oh, my God, you're the singer. And so everybody invites you to the parties and, you know, wants to be your friend. 
just the fact that even though we're singing in a different language to what I mean, we've been to like 10, 15 countries and, and the rooms are packed with people that can't speak our language and we can't speak their language, but they're getting down to the songs and singing the words. It's like, how cool is that? Food is a, quite a creative engagement for you. It's a sharing experience. Ah, yeah, very much. As, as my mother taught, told me, and I, I, knew, I know that for myself now, food is love. That's how we show love. And that's how I show it to my children because a lot of the times somebody was saying to me, oh, you, you should make your sons cook their own breakfast and do this and that. And I said... Well, look, I go out at night because I sing. And so there's a lot of times when I'm not home and I want to make sure that I see my children. And the main time that I see them is before they go to school and work. And so then I want to cook their breakfast and I want to see them and I want to have that chat. When I used to drive my son to school, we'd have that time in the car that, that was just me and him so we could talk. Or when we used to ride our bikes to school, that was just me and him. And cooking f for my friends and family is so important to me. I love that. That's my favourite thing. And when I get home from a tour, I'll just invite my best friends over and I'll make stock for, the, for hours and then I'll make soup and everyone has to sit at the bench and watch me. <laughs> Which genre, if any, do you feel most at home with? I think the funk and soul genre, obviously, although I've started doing electro stuff at the moment, but that still, when you go back to it, is based in funk because the, the, it's always about the bass and the rhythm. I know all the jazz dudes because I've played with all them because basically what you need to understand is that the jazz dudes are the, the ones that are really good at playing the instruments and they can play anything. So, um, and Melbourne is very much a, a jazz city, I guess. And, and even though I've never sung jazz, it's because I'm scared to and I don't want to be laughed at <laughs> and because I don't know how to do my timing very well. I can't play that game. So I just have to play the game that I love and that I can do. I just think everyone should, you know, it's like I've never played an instrument because I, I sort of tool around at home myself but I wouldn't let anyone hear me because I only hang out with the best players. Like I'm so lucky that I get to play with the best players and so I would never let them see how crap I am. So you have a number of releases. What's that process between records? Because I want the insight for artists that are trying to develop uh, a body of work. Mm. Whether or not they should rush it, obviously they shouldn't in my view, but I don't know much, into one release, or do you need a plan over a number of releases? This is the, this is what the conversation we have every time. I mean, right. over the, from the last album, we've been saying, should we just release singles, 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 singles? Yeah. But then the record label says, well, we're not going to release any singles unless we've got it all in the bag already, going, here's one, here's one, here's one. So uh, they want to hold the bag, basically. Mm. <laughs> so I can't hold the bag. For me, every album seems to have become a three-year wait in which time I say to myself, oh, I can never do it. You know, like the guy from Sesame Street, I'll never get it. <laughs> and then I threaten to give up music and then I think, oh, no, I can't do without it. <laughs> and then I go again. What I get, that Scrabble bag, as I call it, that you're suggesting that, yeah, you give them all the tiles with all the letters or songs in this case yeah. and then they decide what to pick out to make the words of the album yep. instead of you doing it. By the time those songs get out, you're very much onto the next record, aren't you? Well, yeah, for me, it's as I said, it seems to have been three years' wait between each one. And so, um, for me, I, I get the album, then I work it for a year. So, yeah. basically, I tour it, then I sing it to death <laughs> until I'm sick of it. But so, for, since the last Family Tree album, we've done that, but we've been writing. So, I've got a new band, so I'm writing new songs as we go. So, I've added, like, there's two songs added to the set now, and there's... Like we've got about five songs ready to go, so we're about, we've just decided now we're going to write a new album. It's going to we're going to try and have it ready for January. So this is I like to have a plan, and if I don't, if I have an open-ended plan where, oh yeah, we'll just keep writing songs and eventually we'll have an album. It could be ten years. So I am that person that needs to be poked with a sharp stick.
I'm going, Carly, I've got to do this now. So that's good for me. And I've got a great guy working with me now called Warren Hunter. And he, he does everything in the band. He plays the bass and he plays, um, runs tracks, computers. It's called, it's called um, production. I don't know what it's called. I said to Lance, get me some kids with computers. Yep. But Warren has turned up and he's doing everything. And so he's also one of those people they call a busy person. You know, give a busy person something to do and they'll do it. So, yeah, he is extremely helpful in that way and he's pushing me and he's and we get along really well and we write well together. So I think, yeah, we've written some great songs and I'm, I'm excited about that. Those songs that you've written, you're not afraid to go personal in your songwriting? No, but in, I am. I, I'm not afraid. I can't help it, but I have to hide it because I have a mother and you know, I have a husband and children. And sure, sure. You can't, like, I, I really am impressed and by people that are brave enough to write whatever they want even, out, yeah. out loud and just, just not even care because, you know, that's, you can't take that back. There is a boundary line there for you then. Definitely. Um, like, I do love to be, I would love to be free, but, there's, but then with... I think if you're going to be free, that means you are going to offend somebody that you love, and I can't do that. I mean, my family doesn't want to be involved in, you know, in in any of that sort of stuff. They don't want people to know about them, and that's fair enough. Is of the way that the album is recorded, as we said, the singles take a while, and then performing it live. How are you feeling at the end of that tour, having those songs around for the length of time? Yeah, well, it's good. I think. I managed to get one song through, but I just found out, my, one of my cousins just found out. <laughs> so yeah, there is a lot of stuff, you know, obviously family is the thing that pushes your buttons. Family is the thing that annoys you and angers you that you love so much that you could kill them, you know. <laughs> so they're, they're the, only reason, the only reason you could write songs is for things like that. I'm not just going to write stuff about, oh, then I, you know, made the bed and... What's, what's your proudest moment as a mother talking about family? I am proud that my son Reggie is a beautiful drummer and singer. I mean, I was stressed and worried about it because I was thinking, how are you going to support yourself, you know? But I think as a mother, I'm learning to, to come through and stop stressing and stop worrying and learning to embrace who he is, mm. which is a really hard thing for parents to do. I think, I think I found it hard for my parents to do that. They wanted me to be safe and secure, so they wanted me to have a safe and proper job and not do music. They wanted me to have, you know, which I do have a husband. Like I said to my son, I have a husband. He supports me. How can you don't have a husband? <laughs> you know, like unless you get a good wife or a good husband, you can't. You need the breadwinner mm. in the family. Music is falls through fingers. I only know like four drummers who've bought a house, you know, so we all don't want to live on the street. That's fair enough. And as a mother, you, you can't help but struggle with that. So where did you learn that lesson? Where did those life lessons come from? You learn every day. Every day is a new day and every day you think to yourself, I just want my son to be happy. And so whatever makes him happy is, I guess, as long as it's something that's not just a fleeting kind of, oh, today I might, you know, buy a fairy floss machine and do that forever. That's going to be my career, mm. you know. But I see him, I see him trying to, to get gigs. I see him doing gigs. I see him getting better and better. I see him writing and recording and learning and becoming better. And I'm just like, okay, you, you really are serious about this. I get it. So I'm going to support you, you know, in any way that I can. Was there a little bit of, finally on this, was there a little bit of hesitation? There was huge hesitation. I yeah. said, are you insane? <laughs> and I was angry and he was like, well, you chose that. And I was like, I've got a husband. But I said, well, if you want to do this, then you better look at Lance Ferguson because he does not muck around. He gets up every morning and he works until dark and he does it seriously. This is what he thinks about and this is what he does. And you can, it's not a joke. If you want to do this, you have to take it seriously because everyone else is going to beat you. You know, it's a competitive world and you have to 
you have to have a, you have to be strong and you have to be unoffended all the time. It's really hard. It's an ever changing world as well. What surprised you the most about the world we're in now compared to when you were Reggie's age? Well, I guess that there's just so much of it. It's, I mean, I remember thinking, and I loved seeing Tina Arena saying, you know, when we, we'll decide when to give up. Because, you know, for me, I'm an older woman, and a lot of times I think, that's enough, come on, what are you doing, just stop it. But, but this is what I chose, and this is what I put all my eggs into this basket. Hi, I'm Rishi K. Sherway. And I'm Joshua Molina. We're from the West Wing Weekly, and you're currently listening to Radio Notes. Radio Notes, where those in music talk life, and those in life chat music, and more. You can join us on The West Wing Weekly for an episode-by-episode breakdown of the television show The West Wing. Josh was the star of the show, and we give you behind-the-scenes insights and deep dives into the issues raised in the storylines of the show. You can find us on Radiotopia.fm or through your favorite podcaster. For now, back to John Merch and Radio Notes. In conversation with Kylie Older, she's an outstanding singer, songwriter, performer, collaborator. As I was mentioning to Brian Peel on Northwest FM this morning, her voice has been heard on YouTube alone, one clip alone, 302 million times. How bizarre is that? 302 <laughs> million. <laughs> you know, I used to say, nobody ever listens to my voice, and now you can't escape it. Ha ha ha. That's not even Spotify, that's just YouTube. <laughs> that's not even going to the petrol station, people, <laughs> and the supermarket, and a taxi, and a laundromat. People are sending me messages all the time, all from all around the world, yeah, going, oh, it doesn't I doesn't include radio play. No. What's the vision for the next 10 years for Kylie Aldous? Because you're in such, in many ways, in such a wonderful place now. Where's that next decade? What's your plan for the next decade, if you yeah. have one? Yes, I guess I do have to have a plan. Immediate plans are to write more music that I enjoy, um, put it out, try to get somebody to sell it for me, try to get people to listen to it. Other than that, I think my husband really wants to move to the coast and surf. He wants me to stop doing music. <laughs> but I mean, I've got friends that have moved away and moved to the coast and they still do music. They record and as I said, you can do anything from a studio. Yeah, but can you surf is the question. Kyle. I cannot surf. Really? No. So I was like, do you want me as an audience or... <laughs> Sorry. I mean, I haven't tried hard enough, I suppose. And I don't think as I get older, I'll be even better at surfing, so... Okay, so the next 10 years has no surfing in it, but... <laughs> Not for me, but maybe for my husband. I wouldn't mind just, I don't know, I was thinking maybe do some music, maybe travel around, do some touring. Yeah, music just opens up things for you, although it means I go on holidays without my family, you know, which is a, a weird one. We thought about going to England and maybe staying there for a year or so and, you know, trying to be in that crew but I'm such a homebody I love my house I love being home maybe I'll just buy another house down the coast and you know go back and forth my 13 year old is just starting high school so the next 10 years will be you know dedicated to him yeah. getting through high school yeah that's my focus I suppose for the next 10 years and enjoying music and being part of the bamboos which it seems to to keep going on and on which is fantastic I love it I mean so this new album with the bamboos is about to go out this year and then we'll go overseas and tour that sense of community is very strong with you I think mm. how have you been enhancing that over the years well I've joined things like women of soul I've done backing vocals for Emma Donovan I've done you know I've just I try to make sure I go and see a lot of the young kids sing I'm particularly interested in you know obviously seeing women singers but I, I love a good band and if I can get to go out a little bit and see a band I I really do enjoy that so I guess I'm going to try and put that on my to-do list you've mentioned a lot during our chat without being prompted about the hubby <laughs> who is he in your life 
<laughs> Apart uh, from everything, of course. <laughs> but, but, but who is he? What does he do for you as a musician, as an artist? Yeah, well, my husband is very supportive and he allows me to be this musician. He's always allowed me to be this, um, this musician mother who goes out and we work around us because he's a shift worker as well. He works on the docks. He's a wharfie. And so we work our crazy life around me being able to do what I do, which is music. And I know a lot of other women in my life and my that I've met that have not been allowed to do that. Their husbands have not been supportive in that way. Yeah, so he gets it, that that's what I do and that's what I need to do. And he always said that he would support me in that way. And, and he has, but he seems to have been getting a little bit edgy lately that, you know, as soon as this girl happened and he was like, oh, so we're not moving to the coast then. <laughs> but is he also a sounding board for the songs? Um, no. Who's I write, the, I write about him. Okay. <clears throat> I mean, I haven't. The last album I didn't. And he was like, well, where, where's the song? Well, I did a little bit, actually. That's wrong. I did, but... He was like, well, where's all the songs about me? And I'm like, oh, my God, I've written albums about you. That's enough. Where's my songs about me? <laughs> so who's the sounding board for, for the solo material? Well, mostly, I guess, my, whoever I write with, my mentors, you know, like which is Lance Ferguson, um, which is Warren Hunter. Realistically, it's myself and what I'm not embarrassed to say in public. <laughs> I'm a wordsmith. I love words. You know, I've always loved reading, and I always used to, like, um, say the words out loud, and my dad was like, can't you read without moving your lips I'm like yes I can but I like the form of them I like the sound of the, you know I love words it's most likely how they were written in the first place it's just yeah making them come alive again which is a great time to ask you the question which is coming up later which is what is Kylie Aldous currently reading oh I'm reading um Truth by Peter Temple it's moving pretty fast it's a bit hard to understand he wrote you know Peter Temple he wrote Jack Irish the Jack Irish series and I just found it in a secondhand bookshop in Northcote <laughs> I usually read um, books that my mother has given me from her book club um, but this one I just thought oh he's an Australian writer I'll definitely like that so it's based in Melbourne it's based in Broadmeadows even so that's great and I'm, it's around here it's a police book it's it's really like yeah being in the here and now I'm kind of I really like it I love Australian movies I love Australian writers whenever you start reading a book if it's if it's annoying and boring then I'm not going to waste my life you know I, I'll give it two chapters and then I'm not wasting any more time where are these songs being written where do you sit down to write if you do sit down and write? mostly on my couch with a pencil and paper so I've just recently made myself an office space, which was nice. Um, yeah, I know it took me. You've grown up. <laughs> it took me a long time, and now every but time you'll have a home studio. I know, right? And I've got a friend that makes them, and my husband was helping him to build them at one stage. Fergus home studios makes yeah. home studios. But mm. I've, I made this beautiful hum uh, no, this office space, and then every time I try to go in there, someone's in there. <laughs> but it's just so good. Like, there's all this space, and the pens are in the right place. And recently, I've been writing with Warren Hunter, and it's good if you've got a place that's got speakers so you can listen back to stuff. And he can record melodies. Um, so before that, I would write with Lance Ferguson in his home studio. Because I love to be able to sing stupid stuff and then hear it back and go, oh, how embarrassing. So I need to start with a melody. And so then I'll get that melody going. And then when I've got a format for the melody, then I'll fit. It'll tell me. It'll just speak to me about something. And then I'll find a word and then I'll, mm -hmm. it fits like a jigsaw puzzle and then it flows. And yeah. music informs the melody first. So then after that, so that starts it. But then after I get that, and I listen to it, I go walking around there, out the front here. I walk around there listening, 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 till it gets in my head like a pattern. And then the pattern just sort of goes off on its own. And then, you know, how it just goes off in your mind. And when you're doing the dishes or when you're just doing, having lunch, you go, it goes, oh yeah, that's what it sounds like. And then I, and then I get the pencil and paper out and then I write. So what, if I'm trying to find three syllables, 
I'll just write out what I want to say in those three syllables until I hone it down mm -hmm. to the best words that make that picture. In success sometimes comes ego and that, that's not in your vocab, is it? You, did, did you get a sense of ego when you became big? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know what I did feel? Now I'm going to have to behave myself in front of kids. <laughs> Because I, I got to sing, like it was a weird weird thing. I got to go to England and sing that song, you know, at nightclubs. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. That's yeah. still happening. I'm still doing that. So well. this song, which has been done by a 19-year-old oh, yeah. Yeah, French producer, mm. you were being flown over to basically sing to a track. Yes, well, and, and not even with him. Like he in nightclubs in England, I got an, this agent called me and they said, we've got a heap of work for you. I went over there with a stick, basically, and sang in um, nightclubs for like, and... Um, you don't mind talking about this? I don't mind at all. Okay. It's, it's a bizarre thing that happened to me. Yeah. You know, like I thought I was really lucky to go overseas with the Bambies, which I was, because I'd never been to England. And then I got a record deal. And then all of a sudden, when I just think it's all wrapping up and it's all time to go, and the song that was um, out nine years ago becomes famous. Yeah. And, and everybody wants to listen to it. And it's like little kids being read a story. They want to hear it again, again, again. So I would go and sing it three times to a nightclub full of a thousand kids. It's Amazing. Recapping. Nine years ago, it was... A song called This Girl, written by Lance Ferguson and the Cooking on Three Burners. That's right. Yeah, and then all Nine of a sudden, later. yeah, it was remixed by Kungs, who was a protege of David Guetta's, and he's a young boy who's a French DJ. And it went global and number one all over the world, and then all of a sudden, I have to go and sing it in nightclubs, and everyone wants selfies with me and weird. Three times yeah, in one night. Exactly, like when you read a kid a bedtime story, they're like, again, 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 again. <laughs> and so now it's like, m myself who's a mother to a 13-year-old and to a 23-year-old, is out in nightclubs and, and singing this song to these kids who want to have selfies with me. And it's just, a, and I've got my own security teams and this, that and the other. It's just bizarre. And riders, of course. Yeah, it was, it was, oh yeah, they had to give me the poshest champagne and I had to sit there and drink it. And it was, they, I tried to dance on the dance floor one time and they put a, a rope around me. And I was like, <laughs> and, and I, I adore the fact because, as you said, the kids are sort of like either side of the guy who produced it. Yeah, in a. yeah. I know, it's bizarre. And then, so that doesn't really give you a big head. It just makes you go, this world is very strange. And it just makes you go, well, okay, so now people are looking at you. You have to have, you have to behave yourself, you know? <laughs> no fun in that, is there? <laughs> Not at all. This might be a little sad, but I was emotionally affected by the passing of Sharon Jones. Where were you at? I never got to meet Sharon Jones, no, but a lot of my friends did because she mm. was very much involved in the, the Melbourne scene. Yeah. Yeah, and um, a friend of mine, Miss Goldie, was good friends with her, toured with her. Um, yeah, and of course, she opened doors for me. You know, like, I was, she was one of my heroes, obviously, because yeah. she, she was like a 50-year-old woman, a black woman who came out of a normal job and started you know, rocking the world. I mean, who does that? <laughs> was there a point where her music either changed you or, or kept you on track? Um, I think it just created another space for me realistically I don't think I ever changed what I was doing or who I was I thought I was the same but she made people notice me more or, or, or make me more relevant maybe I don't know what the word is but um, I think I just I think people were, were sort of like oh wow so um, women who you know who are like over 40 can can still be in the music industry yeah. and they can actually be really cool What's the, the tune that's getting you going up in the morning? What's the thing that's inspiring you? So as a musical artist, what song, band, music is really getting you set on your day, on your way? What are you enjoying? What are you, what are you digging? Mm, wow, that's, that's interesting. But most of the music that I listen to these days is from my sons. My sons show me new music every day. 
At the moment, um, my my 23-year-old Reggie, he's very awesome, very cool, very very connected, and you know understands music. I um, and then he plays me all this amazing stuff, and I go, "Who is it again? Who is it again? Who is it again?" He goes, "If you ask me one more time, <laughs> I'm not saying it again." <laughs> Gabriel Garcon Montano. It's a morbid question. I don't know if oh, I should no. ask it. <laughs> I said, just do it. See what happens. Carly Aldis, thanks very much for your time. A bit of a morbid My pleasure. One finish, Dave. Who do you want to sing at your funeral? <laughs> wow, that's a big one, isn't it? It's fair enough because I have to sing at everyone's funerals. And for some reason, I manage it and I don't cry, which is amazing. And I'm going to give this job to my son, Reggie. <laughs> You're giving it to a drummer. He's a beautiful singer as well. He sings and drums. Kylie Aldist, absolute pleasure. Thanks for your time. Thank you, John. Lovely to meet you and talk to you. Kylie Aldist. Solo, the bamboos and cooking on three burners, where vocals merge with Kung's have been consumed just shy of one trillion times on YouTube and Spotify platforms alone. You can find them online at kylieoldest.com. Kylie was raised in Broken Hill. And next episode, Radio Notes heads there to go into the hotel featured in Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, for a very special chat. RadioNotesPodcast.com for show notes and links. Web design there by Steve Davis. Theme music by Martin Kennedy and All India Radio. I'm Tammy Weller. John Merch is the producer and host based in Adelaide, South Australia. 